0: Amen. Amen. Well, welcome everybody. Good morning. Thanks for being here with us. Uh, welcome to everybody who's in the room and those who are watching online. We're really glad uh, that you're here today and that you're a part of what God is doing uh, through this church. My name's Sutton. Um, I get to serve here as the community care pastor, and I, I love to do that. So thanks, thanks for being with us this morning. Well, this morning we're going to talk about the idea of unity among the people of God. Which we call the church um, with a capital C, the church all across the world. Um, And specifically, we're going to talk about how God wants his church to be one, how he wants us to be one. Um, There's a lot of denominations. Many of us, uh, most of us in fact, didn't grow up Anglican, (laughs) which is what Orchard Hills is. Um, We've got people, I I grew up Baptist, lots of us grew up Methodist, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, whatever it might be. Um, And so, Amidst all those denominations, today we're going to talk about what unites us as God's people, what brings us together as his people, uh, who he calls his bride, the church, a people that's made up of um, folks from all around the world, from every tribe and tongue and nation that the Lord is, is drawing to himself. And so to illustrate that, we thought it'd be really fun today um, to introduce to you someone from a part of Christ's body uh, on the other side of the world. Um, and he, that, his name is Bonnie. He's a friend of mine. And so, Bonnie, come on to the stage, my friend. Y'all welcome him. Welcome. Thank you, Glad brother. you're here. Amen. Here's a microphone for you. <laughs> All right, so,
1: Bonnie, can you introduce yourself to the folks here? Praise the Lord, church. Amen. My name is Bonnie Lakoni, and I come from Rwanda. I love to be a uh, son of God and a servant of the Lord. I have two Amen. children, Precious Amen. and Joy. Precious is eight years old, and Joy is six years old. My wife is called Solange. Yeah, we, there's uh-huh. <laughs> There they are. Precious is in the blue, the little girl. The mama is also in blue. (laughs) And I think I'm also in some uh, darkish blue. (laughs) And then Joy, they're smiling with a queen's crown. Yeah. So we love to do life in Kigali, and we serve with the Anglican Church of Rwanda in Kigali Diocese. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, so uh,
0: a lot of times when I talk to people about Rwanda, um, they have the concept of Africa just being like one big country, um, and so most people probably don't know where Rwanda is. So we're going to show a map, Alan, if you've got that, um, get the old pointer out. So this is Africa. Uh, Rwanda is actually really hard to see. It is uh, this little little country right there, right in the middle. Um, so let's zoom in, and you can get a better shot. So this is East Africa. Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda is right here. Um, Our friend, Kana, who goes to church here, grew up in Tanzania, Um, but Rwanda is where Bonnie is living right now, so let's zoom in one more time. There you go. So,
1: Bonnie, where'd you grow up? I grew up on, up there where it's written guru. Yeah, Yeah, and that's where my parents are right now, and my sister, and my two brothers. Nice,
0: so grew up in the north of Uganda, Moved to Rwanda, found a lovely Rwandan lady. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's zoom in one more time. Great, <clears throat> so this is Rwanda. This is Kigali, uh, where Bonnie is living right now. Down here in the corner um, is uh, Changugu, or Kamembe, mm. uh, which is where Bonnie and I and our wives uh, lived in the same town, got to work together um, so Kayla and I moved to Rwanda in 2015. We moved to that little town. Um, we didn't know what to expect. We didn't know uh, really anything about uh, Rwanda or East Africa. <laughs> I think when people think of Africa, they think of the Lion King and like the savanna, um, <laughs> But that is not at all what Rwanda looks like. It actually is very mountainous, kind of like where we are now. Um, that's a picture of Rwanda. That's on Lake Kivu, uh, which is the lake we were living on. Yeah. And um, yeah, maybe there's, I think there's one more picture. And you can, you can go to that. Yeah, there we are. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that's 21-year-old Sutton and Kayla. Um, there's Bonnie uh, and our friend Odell. We're eating sugar cane, um, which is a fun, fun African experience. That was
1: our favorite snack in, in Rhino. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think it was your favorite snack. So, um, we Kayla and I moved there when we were 21. We were dropped into the middle of of the African continent and didn't know anyone. And Bonnie and his wife, Solange, uh, were some of the first people that we met, uh, the first friendly faces welcoming us, letting us know that that they were happy for us to be there. Um, So, Bonnie, could you maybe share, what's your first memory of us meeting or, or what that looked like?
1: Uh, the first memory of you and Kayla was um, the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bishop Nathan sent me to go and meet you. And the first thing I saw was your guitar was laying on the, on the veranda somewhere at the guest house. Yeah. And I asked you if you knew how to play. You said, yeah, let's get playing. <laughs> I was impressed how much you could play very well music. And I was like, you know what? From now on, you're going to join the choir. You're going to join the English service. I gave him a list of things to do immediately. (laughs) That's true, yeah. I thank God that he was humble enough, and he picked up from there. He didn't know Rwandan songs. We taught him how to sing Rwandan songs. We taught him how to just play the African style. (laughs) (laughs) And we were always in sync. We sang together and served together together. And one of the most interesting things that we had together was every Tuesday we had Bible study. And in our church, uh, among the people who had cars, Sarah and Kayla had a little RAV4. Now, this RAV4 was like a moving church for us. <laughs> <laughs> we would fit nine people in that little RAV4. <laughs> it's amazing how many people you could fit in a RAV4. Yeah, I still have that RAV4. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Yeah. uh, When they left, uh, he was like, man, I want to gift you this car. And this car has continued to bless so many people for Bible study. So every Tuesday, we would rotate in different homes and families for Bible study, which I would lead with him and some other people in our community. So, in that little round four, we would put in nine people, and other people would, of course, walk uh, to our places of Bible study. We would share meals in, in their home, and we would just have fun together.
0: Yeah. 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 So, Bonnie and I worked together a lot. We both worked in the diocese. Um, that was, it's like a group of churches um, that are working together, all Anglican churches. Um, yeah. So, Bonnie was having a role. I had a role. Uh, our wives worked together. Kayla worked with Solange at a guest house that was owned by the church to help raise money for the church. Um, yeah, we had the Bible study together. I had, uh, I didn't know that there was going to be, but there was this little English service that met before the Kinyarwanda service uh, with people from the UK, people from Germany, people from Uganda, Rwanda, Tanzania. Yeah. Um, and we all worshiped together, um, which was so sweet because even though we were from these very different backgrounds. Um, we all loved Jesus, and he was what brought us together. Um, so that was, that was really cool. So, um, Bonnie, do you have any, I don't know, any other favorite memories to share from that time
1: or things that we did together? I think one of our favorite mem- memories up to now is how we managed to come together every Tuesday and on some special days uh, Easter, we would sit down together and wash our feet like Jesus did, uh, showed his disciples. And just also for you to be there whenever we were sad, you would come and we pray together. Mm. Whenever things were difficult, not everything is, was easy and yeah. fun. Sometimes we were sad because of maybe a miscommunication because they don't speak Kenya Rwanda <laughs> And sometimes we would say something and he would understand it the American way and yet we are meaning it in the Rwandan way. <laughs> and so uh, the, the most um, memorable thing is for us to passionately pray together. Hmm. When I came to Rwanda, uh, Bishop Nathan called me from Uganda in 2012. That time I was working, uh, I was serving in the Baptist church. And he called me like, come on to Rwanda and come, let's serve together in the Anglican Church of Rwanda. I didn't know very much about the Anglican Church, but he was ready to welcome me to serve with him. And when Saturn came, I even didn't ask him whether you're coming from Anglican or you're coming from Baptist or you're coming from any other religion. I was like, man, let's go serve the Lord.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah so even just hanging out this time, we were realizing that Bonnie grew up Catholic, I grew up Baptist. Uh, You were Baptist for a little while, I was Presbyterian a tiny amount of time, (laughs) and then we we both ended up in the Anglican Church. So yeah, I think the beauty of that is that um, regardless of the denomination, um, God is bringing people together. And so when we had to leave Rwanda, we were heartbroken to leave you guys um, and But our, our friendship did not end because we have this bond yeah. that's, that's deeper than just proximity. It's a bond in Christ that's eternal. Um, and so, yeah, we've gotten to go back to Rwanda to spend time with them. Bonnie uh, is here because he's working on a doctorate at Baylor and Waco, but he, he made the extra trip to come up and spend time with us, and so we got to host him this week. Um, and so, yeah, there's just a a beauty to the way that God is bringing people together from all over the world into his one unified body, the church. Um, yeah, so Scott's gonna share some more about that. You have anything else you wanna leave them with?
1: Yeah, I, I would like to say thank you all for your love. Many of you uh, I've met not just for the first time, it is just like the second time you came to Rwanda and just shared your time with us and even this trip I feel like I'm welcome here. I feel everybody's so supportive, and thank you so much, and may God bless you. Amen. Thank you, guys.
2: You know, I think that isn't that a beautiful picture of really what God calls us to, like we are part of one church, one body, one family. I just love that. And you could see that in their relationship, couldn't you? Like there's just this genuine bond between the two of them. They were good friends. And it's fun to go over to Rwanda and hang out with them as well. Um, Jesus was all about unity in his church. He he was about oneness. And he even prayed for that for the church. And um, we see that John wrote it down. Here's what Jesus was praying in John 17, verses 20 through 23. Jesus was praying to God the Father. He says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, so so the disciples that were around him, the 12, and then beyond the 12, there are more disciples. But he said, I'm not just praying for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. And so Jesus was all about unity, but not just unity for unity's sake. right? He he, he was all about us, his followers, being unified with him. And unified with each other so that the world would know that God sent Jesus and that Jesus is, in fact, God in the flesh. That's what he wanted to know. And he wanted to communicate that God loves us, that God loves us. And, and there's no more perfect picture, I think, than, than the love of a father being willing to sacrifice his one and only son for mankind. Really, if you think about it, for a, a rebellious, self-centered mankind. That's true love. And that's what God was trying to get across, is, is how much he loves us. And that because of that love and that common bond that we have, that we should be one, just like he is one. Now, um, I, I talked last week how Jesus came to earth and, and he had a, a, pretty much a, a singular purpose. And that was to change the world forever. To change the world forever. And the way that he intended to do that was gonna be very intentional, relational, and personal. And that he was gonna use people, just, just average, ordinary, fallen people like you and me, to change the world. That he was gonna use us to really affect the lives. Of others, That's what he was all about. Now, um, division and, and discord is not something new. It's not something unique to our day and to our time. If you just do a little study of history quickly, you'll, you'll see there's always been division, hasn't, hasn't there? Um, there's always been discord. And, and I think the, the root of that is, is our own sinfulness, obviously. But I think it's birthed in our insecurity and ultimately in our pride. And I think that leads to disunity and discord. Well, we're supposed to be different. If we are truly followers of Jesus, then we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be one as he is one with the Father. So we see um, this oneness within the the Godhead. So there's really only one God, but yet he's existing in three persons. So you've got God the Father and Jesus, God the Son, and, and God the Holy Spirit. So there's like three persons, but one God and like, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around that. Like, that is a difficult concept, isn't it? Um, it it's more than I can truly um, conceive of, but yet I know it's true. Like, it's, it's, it's something I've experienced. It's, it's something that I, I, I know. And so that's part of the nature of God, this oneness. And when we become followers of Jesus, we take on his nature. And part of his nature is that oneness, that oneness. And that's what he was praying for us. That we would be one with him, just as he is one with the Father and the Spirit, and that we would be one with one another. Now, the beauty of this oneness is that Jesus brings diverse people from diverse backgrounds, diverse cultures and ethnicities together, and He, he makes us one in, in unity, so we are one because we share his spirit so Um, We're one because of his spirit and because of his truth. So we are one in spirit. So when you become a follower of Jesus, you receive his spirit. And that's what you see with Bonnie and Sutton. You see this common bond. It's because of the spirit of God is in both of them. And then you see this um, unity through the truth, the truth that is found in Jesus Christ, the truth that is revealed to us through his word. We call it the Bible. And so that's what brings us together together. It's that unity. And that's what we are seeing with Sutton and and with Bonnie there. Now, they're very different, right? I don't know. Did you notice that they don't look the same? I mean, they're a little different looking. I mean, Sutton's kind of pale. Um, Bonnie, you have a glow about you. You You know, his smile. I mean, he can light up the whole room. We could turn out the lights and his smile would light up the room, would it not? I mean, he's just got that that spirit about him. And so they're different. Clearly, they come from different backgrounds, different geography, different cultures, right? But yet there's a oneness there because they share the same spirit and they share the same truth. And that's the beauty of what God does in our lives. Now, I believe this is what God was speaking to us through the Apostle Paul. If you look at Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 28, he said this, For you're all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You're all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. That's what makes us children of God. And then he goes on, he says, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female. For you're all one. You're all one in Christ Jesus. So there's this oneness that comes about through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, oneness is not sameness. Oneness is not sameness. It doesn't mean that we all have to be the same. Um, that's why there are many different expressions of God's church. If you look at Sutton and you look at, at Bonnie, if you go deeper be, beyond the, just the exterior um, difference in their, their appearances, they're different Um, They have different gifts. They have different talents, different passions, if you will. They're different, and that's a good thing because we're all different, aren't we? We have different gifts and passions and, and all these things. But one of the beautiful things about this common faith in Jesus Christ is he brings us together. And we are better together, are we not? You know, that's why he refers to us oftentimes as a body, as a body, that we're to be one. There's one body In Jesus Christ. And so that's what we see playing out. Um, If you've traveled the world, um, you've seen this. I've been fortunate enough to to go to a number of different countries on a number of different continents. And I've been in contact with other followers of Jesus in, in places where I've never been before. And immediately like that, when you meet another follower of Jesus, wherever you are in the world, you have this bond this connection that takes place. And it is so sweet, and it's so difficult to explain to somebody that's never experienced it. But I bet most of you guys here have experienced that. Maybe it's here in the States. Maybe you've, you've met somebody at work, and, and you just feel this immediate bond because you share the same spirit. You share the same truth. Um, Maybe you've been on a mission trip somewhere or maybe you've gone with us to Dominican Republic or to Rwanda or the Philippines or wherever. and, And you meet these people that look very different than you, that have a very different background from you. And you notice we've got this common bond. Like we are brothers and sisters. We are one because we are of one family. We're all part of God's family, and that's something that is so unique and so special. You know, Jesus' plan um, was always to unite the church, to unite the church, that we would be one, whether we're separated by geography around the world or even around the valley, that we are to be one. He has many expressions of his church, but we're to be one, to be unified. Now, there's a great example of this in the Bible. So um, after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, remember those are the story of Jesus' life and where we see this good news presented to us, that's called the gospel, um, we see how, how God's church begins to grow. So the church of Jesus Christ begins to grow, and it starts in Jerusalem, and then it starts fanning out from there. And one of the primary church planters, if you will, was a guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul. and. It seems like when you read his story through what they call the epistles or these different letters, um, whew, this, this guy was busy. I mean, he was intentional. He was relational. He was personal. And every, every time he'd go into a city or to a different country, he's sharing this good news of Jesus Christ, how this relationship with Jesus changes everything. And people are coming to faith in Jesus. They're becoming followers of Jesus. And then what he does is he just brings those followers together And guess what is created? It's the church. Now, it's a representation of the one church in these different countries. And they all become very different. Now, he had a unique calling. God called him to really start churches among non-Jewish people. We call them Gentiles. Gentiles, And so he was starting these Gentile churches out there that had this, this common faith in Jesus Christ, while pe- people like Peter and some of the others were starting churches among Jewish followers of Jesus, um, specifically in, in Jerusalem. So um, there was an incident in Jerusalem. It, it was really costly to become a follower of Jesus if you were a Jew and you lived in Jerusalem, or pretty much if you were a Jew and you lived anywhere, because it was your entire community. That was your community. And so if you chose to place your faith in Jesus Christ, most of the time you would be ostracized from your community. You would be banished. People would no longer do business with you. Your family would no longer interact with you. So to come to faith in Jesus and be a follower of his came at a great cost. And so what was happening to these Jewish converts to what we call Christianity um, was they were poor. They were broke because now they didn't have anybody to do business with. Nobody would buy from them. Their Jewish friends and, and family members would no longer do business with them. And so the church in Jerusalem was pretty much impoverished. Well, the word got out and um, spread amongst other churches, specifically that the Apostle Paul had started, and they felt compelled by God to take up an offering to help their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. Um, We learn of this in a a couple places, but specifically, Paul was writing this letter to the church in Rome, and this is what he said in chapter 15, verses 25 through 27. He said, But before I come, so he planned to come and and visit them, he said, I must go to Jerusalem to take a gift to the believers there. For you see, the believers in Macedonia and Achaia have eagerly taken up an offering for the poor among the believers in Jerusalem. They were glad to do this because they feel they owe a real debt to them. Since the Gentiles received the spiritual blessings of the good news, that's what we call the gospel, from the believers in Jerusalem, they feel the least they can do in return is to help them financially. Now, in case you're not familiar with where Macedonia and Achaia are, guess what? I've got a map. And so here we go. So here's Jerusalem. See little Jerusalem way over here? Then you go all the way here. So like the Apostle Paul, this is, he, was, he was making his way all around here. And here's Achaia. And here is Macedonia. And what you know of today is this is modern-day Greece and Albania and Bulgaria. So that's the part of the the world where he had planted these Gentile churches. And they felt compelled. They heard that um, this little church in Jerusalem was really hurting financially. But they knew we are one church. We are one church, one family. And so they took up an offering and Paul brought it all the way back. To the little church in Jerusalem, isn't that a beautiful picture of the church being the church? You know, and and I love that example that we see in the early church. Now, what was true in biblical times is still true today. We're still called to be one church, regardless of where we may um, live geographically. Again, whether it's someplace in the world or some different place in the city, we're called to be one church. Um. And this this is something we've been working really hard on for the last few years here in the Roanoke Valley. We're trying to bring the church together, to be just one church, to be just one church. Um, And not just to to be uh, unified for the sake of unity. We want to be unified for the sake of the gospel, this good news of Jesus Christ. Our, Our goal, our hope is that we could reach every man, woman, and child in the Roanoke Valley with this good news of Jesus Christ. That for those that have never heard the good news or embrace the good news, that we would come together and make sure every man, every single woman, every child in the Roanoke Valley hears this good news. And that they get to see it, what it looks like, like we are demonstrating here. That we they get to experience it as well. Okay, that's our goal. And so one of the exciting things is we're, we're getting um, some momentum there. We're, we're Coming together, for instance, this Tuesday, 50 leaders from across the valley are coming together for the day. And uh, these are from different churches and from different ministries. And we're going to worship together. We're going to pray together. We're going to eat together. And then we're going to strategize together. We're going to break out in in different groups, focusing on men, women, children. How can we come together together? to really get this message of the good news of Jesus to every man, woman, and child in the valley. And so we're excited to be a part of that. Now, um, this sort of came about, I I came under a conviction. We had started uh, really being a part of this network called Christ Together. And it's a network of churches across the country. And I was convicted, as I was around some of these, these leaders, these pastors, That for far too long, the way I viewed other churches and other pastors was as the competition. They were the competition, right? And so I would look at what we're doing here, and I'd be comparing ourselves and myself to all the other churches around the valley and even around the country. Because I saw them as competition. And I don't think I'm alone in that. But here's how it would work out. So if another church was really growing, if they, they were bigger than us, then I'd get jealous. I'd even be judgmental of them. And if we were growing faster than we were bigger than them, then guess what? Sort of get Proud. Like, hey, check us out, you know, aren't we something? You know, and, and I came under this conviction that no matter how, how large we grew as an individual church, like Orchard Hills, however large it would grow, what if we became 5,000 people gathering together? We would not make a significant impact on the lostness of the Roanoke Valley by ourselves. You know, we have over 300,000 people in the Roanoke Valley. And even if 5,000 followers of Jesus came to Orchard Hills, statistically, that's not all that significant, is it? We couldn't reach every man, woman, and child with the good news of Jesus Christ. We just can't do it alone. And so, came to realize, if we're going to really do that, we've got to come together with other churches with other gospel-centered ministries. We need to stop seeing each other as a competition and start collaborating with one another, right? So we need to stop competing and start collaborating. Now for most of you guys, you're like, duh. <laughs> like that's just common sense, right? I, I can't believe that you would see other churches as a competition. Why aren't all churches working together And I get it, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but when I just kind of had my eyes open, it was life-changing for me because now I could celebrate when another church was doing well in one area or another, or if another church was growing, I celebrate because we're just one church. And so we celebrate with one another now, and it is life-changing for me. Um, Maybe it's not that big of a deal for you. But I don't think it's unique to me or unique to our church. We've seen it around the valley as we've talked to different pastors and different leaders. We've seen it in the Dominican Republic. Um, This is happening around the world. Uh, Too often, again, churches see themselves as competing instead of collaborating. And for the last five years, we've been going to the Dominican Republic in January and working with pastors, bringing them together, encouraging them, teaching them this message of one church. And it's a beautiful thing to see, like they're getting it and they are working together. They're further ahead than we are here in the United States and specifically in the Roanoke Valley. And some of you guys have been there with us and you've seen it and you you know the relationships that have been um, just birthed and that have been strengthened over the years because of that. And so I want to encourage you. We have a role to play in all of this. Here's the thing. The church is not the building that we happen to be in. If you look across the Roanoke Valley, you see lots of church buildings, don't you? I mean, just drive up and down alternate 220 right here. How many churches do you see within like two miles? At least half a dozen of them, right? But the church is not the building, and I am not the church, the leadership of this Church, so to speak, this expression of the one big church is really not the ones that, that are um, supposed to go out and, and to share this good news with everybody across the valley. Now, here's what I want you to begin to see. This is what I want you to, to get your mind around and begin to live out that the church is us. Like, we are the church. Now, we may happen to to come to Orchard Hills, to this this property, to this building, but this is not the church. We are the church. And now, imagine this. If we're going to reach every man, woman, and child in the Roanoke Valley, you know how I think we do it? It's like Jesus did it. We're going to be intentional. We're going to be relational and we're going to be personal, and if we're to reach every man, woman, and child in the Roanoke Valley, I think it's going to require every man, woman, and child and these various expressions of the church to begin to see themselves as ministers and missionaries and start sharing this good news with the folks that you live with, that you learn with, that you work with, and that you play with. And now imagine the effectiveness, you know, instead of just saying, well, Scott, that's your job. Well, I'm not very effective at that to begin with, you know. but I'm only one man, so I can only reach so many people. But look around the room. What if every one of us started doing it? Because you guys all have influence over different people. You have relationships with lots of different people than I do. So imagine that you begin to share this good news that you've experienced through Jesus Christ with every man, Every woman, every child that you have a relationship with, imagine how it begins to spread, right? Think of how many people are affected by that. Now imagine, what if Bonsack Baptist, you know, and, and Rainbow Forest, you know, and we just keep going around all these churches, so to speak, around the valley, what if all of their people begin to catch this vision and see themselves as ministers and missionaries, and they begin to share this good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, with every man, woman, and child they come in contact with, I think we can do it. Like, I think we can reach every man, woman, and child with the good news of Jesus in the Roanoke Valley. Don't you? I think it's possible. We can't do it if we're just looking to a few people to do it or a few churches, but we can do it if we see ourselves as the church. Because that's how Jesus sees us. We are the church. And we're to be unified around this good news known as the gospel. Here's the question before you today. Are you not only willing to embrace this vision, but are, are you willing to go see this vision played out? Are you willing to, to take this good news to every man, woman, and child that you live with, that you work with, that you learn with, and that you play with? If so, I believe we're going to begin to see Jesus' purpose in coming to earth realized that the world will be changed forever. And it's going to be through people like you and me, the church. Let's pray. Dear God, thanks for this morning. Thanks for, for Bonnie being here and, and coming so far and, and caring so much. Thanks for the relationship that we have with him and, and specifically that, that he and Sutton and uh, Kayla and Solange and, and their girls all have with one another. It's a special bond and Lord, we have that with folks all around the world because um, we share the same spirit and we share the same truth. Lord, help us right here in the Roanoke Valley to be your church, to have a passion like you have a passion for us to be one as you are one and to reach out to every man, woman, and child with this good news, this life-changing news of the love of God as expressed through Jesus Christ. Compel us, Lord. We thank you that you provided the resources that we need. We can just go to our website, click on resources, and we see these gospel minimums. Everything we need really is there. And most importantly, everything that we need is inside of us. It's your spirit who is ultimately going to do the work. Thanks for allowing us to come along for the ride. We pray it all in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.